welcome to the CD podcast. I'm Naima Kalachand and I'm the clinical and custom content editor. Today, I'm going to be speaking to Thorne Govind, a pharmacist based in Northwest England. With the results from the GPHC registration exam now available, I spoke to Thorne about what the next steps are for students who may have passed or failed the exam. This is what she had to say. Well, first of all, celebrate, but if they haven't done so already, they need to get their application fee in with the GPHC, and that's £106, and it's uh, non-refundable, and they send that online application off with their supportive document, which includes things like the passport or driving licence, which are countersigned, and also a copy of the birth certificate. So I'd really encourage people to get their birth certificate copy sorted sooner rather than later, because it can be a little bit of a faff getting that sorted if you need it in a rush. Once the application has been successful, that status then changes to a pending first year fee. And then £257 is payable. And you will join the register on the next available registration date after that's been done. And your registration will start on the 1st or the 15th day of the month. What I would say is it's so important, prof regs and pre regs when they're in this situation. I mean, the situation may change for our current pre regs but don't practice as a fully qualified pharmacist until you've received your GPHC registration number and your name appears on the register because that's really critical because being a pharmacist is a protected title. So at the moment, our ProvRegs will have been using their responsible ProvReg pharmacist sign. And when they then end up on the register, they will be able to use that all important qualified responsible pharmacist sign. And is there anything else that students need to do? For example, do they need to look at indemnity insurance? I think it's always really important to have indemnity insurance. Indeed, it's a professional requirement for us to have indemnity insurance. Now, there are a number of providers um, and there are some providers who have provided cover free of charge during pre-reg or prov-reg. So I think it's probably really important that you do your research and make sure that the role that you're going to be undertaking is covered by the indemnity insurance. There's no point having indemnity insurance which doesn't cover for the work that you're doing because that could be a very very dangerous situation to put yourself in. And do you have any tips for those who are newly qualified pharmacists on their first day? So the best advice for newly qualified pharmacists is to remember that there's lots of support out there for you. So the RPS, for example, have a one-to-one support line and you can email in with any queries. I think the most important thing is to go at your own pace and to remember that there's plenty of people there to support you. And it's better to ask than to just make a presumption or not look something up. You know, even I've been practicing now for over four years, I still have to look things up. And my colleagues who've been practicing much longer than me still have to look things up. So I think that's a really important part. Um, My second tip is don't go home with the CD keys if you are a community pharmacist or even if you're in another practice setting. Because nobody wants to, um, having spent a a busy day at work, have to drive back um, very early in the morning to provide the controlled drugs keys, which is, I think it's a bit of a rookie error, which we've all done at, at one point. So don't be embarrassed if you find yourself in that position. 
Also, you'll be displaying your responsible pharmacist sign. So ProvReges will have been displaying their ProvReg pharmacist sign. You get the upgrade as you are qualified. So that's an important thing to think about as well. I also think just basic practical things like where are you going to park in the morning? What are you going to have for your lunch? And make sure you do have a lunch and you do have some break. And if you're practicing maybe in a new environment, if you're a locum, for example, you need to be checking to make sure what support staff are available working with you and their working patterns. And that's a really key point, I think. The most important thing, though, is to not presume anything and to take each prescription and don't rush. And you will find that as you go through the day, you'll find you're more and more into your element. And I think it's always daunting whether you've been a prof reg and you've been practicing up until this point. It is daunting on your first day as a qualified professional. So I would just say well done and enjoy it as well. They're really good tips, Lauren, and I've definitely driven home with the CD keys before as well. And what about those newly qualified pharmacists who are considering changing to a different industry? What advice would you have for them? Well, I think right now in pharmacy, there's just so many opportunities for a portfolio career. And I would say, make the most of social media. I get hundreds of questions, I think. I've had so many questions from, from students and pharmacists about this, how to how to change to a different industry. And I would make the most of, of LinkedIn and connect with professionals who are in the industry, if you're interested in going into industry or in your dream job, because I think there's just such a variety. And there are pharmacists in places that you wouldn't have even imagined sometimes. You know, there's a pharmacist working at NASA, which is amazing, and I've got to speak to her recently. So I think there's just so many opportunities for pharmacists, and there's no set career path anymore. And I think Actually, for this profession to really thrive, we need people who have experiences of working in different areas of the profession and actually outside the profession, because we can all learn from each other. And, you know, if you've been in community pharmacy and you know what the pressure points are are on community pharmacists and then you start working in hospital, you can really make an impact on patient care, for example, when we're talking about uh, discharges, for example, and, and people having their medication in trays from the community pharmacy. Well, you'll understand some of the pressure points on community pharmacists and you can help spread that knowledge with your peers who maybe haven't had that same experience. So yeah, really make the most of those networking opportunities. And I think the pharmacy show this year will again be back in full swing in person I've just heard so that's going to be really exciting and these industry events these key conferences you know get yourself to them and and, and just introduce yourself because there's just so much going on and so many opportunities so don't be disheartened as well if you're applying for jobs newly qualified and and maybe you're not being successful I think it's just about persevering and, and getting those key connections and networks. And then what would you say to the newly qualified pharmacists about keeping their knowledge up to date as they're working as a pharmacist? Well, I think there's lots of key resources that you can use, chemists and druggists being one of them, using the RPS alerts, the MHRA. I also keep subscribed to quite a few pharmacy newsletters, see what the MPA is up to. Make sure that, you know, in your inbox, you're getting the latest knowledge and awareness of the sector. And then we do have revalidation each year, of course, uh, with the GPHC. And we've got to demonstrate that we are continuing to update our practice. And revalidation arrangements have changed during the pandemic. So I won't specifically state what they are now because you'll need to check the latest update for you. 
But all of this revalidation work is really to make sure that we aren't stagnant as a profession. CPP is a great resource as well. There are so many fantastic resources to brush up on your knowledge or learn something new. I mean, I think for, for all of us over this COVID year, we've done so much CPD. We've read so many updates. The guidance has been continually changing. We, we really have um, had a year of, of updates. So I think there's so much you'll be able to write about if it comes to it in your GPHC revalidation. So I definitely wouldn't worry about the revalidation requirements, but I would say please do it because it's not worth the hassle of forgetting to do it and having to deal with the consequences of of that with the GPHC. Then on the other side of the coin, what is the process for those students who failed the exam? Absolutely. I know know it can be a really difficult time when you feel like everyone around you is sort of celebrating and and you're not quite sure what's happened. So I think it's really important to take a break, first of all. It's been a difficult year. And just acknowledge that, you know, you will have gone through times in your life previously where you may have failed at something, but you just need to think about how much you've progressed since then. So I, I know it's disheartening, but I think the best thing to do is to have a little bit of a break. And then you can make a decision as to whether you want to do the resit and and whether you want to go for the next available exam date or you may want to to wait a bit longer. And I think it's then really a good idea to go through and think about how you revised for the exam or how much preparation you put in and think about your strategy for getting to the next exam period because there will be a little bit of a break per se before you can retake the exam. So it might be that you want to go and work in a pharmacy as a member of the dispensing team because you can keep up your knowledge and in community pharmacy obviously you can work sort of part-time so that's really helpful in terms of just keeping your knowledge up and then I think it's really important to come up with a new revision strategy uh, and one that you can stick to um, and really make sure that you're mapping your revision against what the GPHC requirements are for the exam, you know, that framework, as it's called, and really just making the most of the time until the exam. But I also think we can't bog ourselves down in in failing the exam because we are human. And um, that exam was taken on on one day in your life. And it's been a very difficult year. So I think you need to show yourself, you know, a lot of compassion and think about how you can make some moves so that you can join the profession. And some people may actually decide that they don't want to join the profession following failing the exam. And that's okay too, because sometimes if we have a failure in life or we have something which is disappointing, that can prompt a real reset and and make us think about what we want to do and what's really going to make the best of our skills. So please don't be disheartened. And and I know it is really difficult if you are in this situation. Are there any circumstances in which the students can appeal the results of the exam? Well, the GPHC will allow you need to tell them, for example, if there's been new information or circumstances that have come to light since you sat the assessment and that you weren't aware of at the time. And also, if you feel the registration assessment procedure wasn't correctly applied by the GPHC and that would have affected your performance on the day. So I would really encourage everyone to have a look at the registration assessment regulations if you're thinking about appealing. I've actually had 
a number of prof regits who sat the exam contact me and say, oh, during the assessment, I didn't get this or, I, or at least sh- I'm sure I should have had this, but I didn't have it. And I've really told them, please contact the GPHC as soon as possible, because it's much better for them to know about it before you get your results rather than trying to deal with it after your results and it's also really important for the, you know for the, for the other professionals who you're with your fellow students because if the GPHC did, didn't know there was a problem or something happened it might not have just been you who was affected by it and it will also mean that other future students who are taking that exam may be in a better position so I think there's a really important thing to give the GPHC the feedback and and they do seem to be listening to the feedback as well and I know we'll all be waiting to see how the next exam sitting goes as well. And with regards to resetting the exam is there a maximum amount of times that students can reset the exam or um, a maximum amount of time between failing the exam and taking the next exam what are the details around that? The main detail is obviously you have three attempts to sit the exam. And I do understand that, you know, I've been contacted by a number of students who are on their last attempt or sadly have failed that last attempt. So I think the most important thing to think about is to make sure that you're fit to sit the exam, even if, you know, you could book the exam, but you need to make sure that you're in a good position to be able to sit that exam and put your preparation in. And if you feel you're not ready to take that exam, it's the best thing to do is to contact the GPHC and find out your options, depending on how near to the exam you are taking it. And obviously they say if you aren't fit to sit it, then you shouldn't be sitting it. You know, I think it's so difficult when you, you put a lot of pressure on yourself for this, for this exam. I mean, I know I did as well. Just that exam can feel completely overwhelming. So to have to do it again, you know, you, it can be quite mentally tough as well. I really encourage you to look after yourselves as well and make sure that you have a good network of colleagues around you, of peers you can talk to because it is stressful. I don't think there's anything quite like it in our examination careers as a pharmacist, to be honest, because it, it just seems to be this overwhelming thing that all of the, the previous exams have led up to. So I think it is really important that you make sure that you're in the best position possible when you sit that exam. You know, you mentioned getting support from your peers and your colleagues. Where else can these students find support at this difficult time? Not just colleagues, of course. There's lots of support available with Pharmacist Support, who are the profession's charity, and they do so much to support, you know, students to retired pharmacists and beyond um, and their families. So I wouldn't want anyone to be feeling unwell or to be feeling, you know, really desperate about the exam situation. And even if you're not at that level, you know, even if you're not struggling mentally with it, I think it's worth getting some support as well. There's the mentoring scheme available from the RPS and then that's a really good option. And I'd encourage anyone to get into that because it's just a free option available to you. And I think sometimes it's just good to talk to people who've been there and done it and know how you're feeling as well. That was Thorin Govind, community pharmacist, discussing the steps pharmacy students should take when they receive their GPHE registration exam results. Keep an eye out for Thorin's top tips on what to do whenever you get your exam results over on the CND community. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to CND Podcasts on SoundCloud or your preferred app. Thank you for listening. <laughs>